You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Forty years a rove. This is Emeritus Rex. I'm Aprom Kivalevich, and I'm here with Rabbi Ruvain Yeshua Pupko, or Ruvain Joshua Pupko, from Montreal. Montreal, Canada. I think I'm not sure what they're called, the uh, the Canadian Montreal team, whether the the Argonauts or something like that. They have some name anyway. The Alouettes. The Alouettes. <laughs> what a name for a linebacker. Yeah, here's our the Alouettes linebacker. But anyway, we know that the CFL uh, is a is a. Uh, well, no, there's a great uh, kid from BC, uh, from British Columbia, uh, Chase Claypool, who uh, is a great rookie wide receiver for uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Which, and we're going to get to the Steelers, of course, where yeah. where your real heart is. But we know that Canada sort of has its own football, the Grey Cup. I, my father-in-law, blessed memory, uh, introduced to me. He's a fan, you know, my wife's from Vancouver, so he introduced me to uh, the Canadians. And uh, I know that they do play a form of football. And many of us, you say that they they itch to get into the NFL, and especially the people who are too short. Play in the NFL. <laughs> the size yeah. issue more than skill. Yeah, although you know, I, I'm sure that, that there was some. I, I, maybe Kurt Warner, I think, did play for the CFL a little bit. That's possible. I know maybe the arena football. I know there's been. I think he was arena football. Yeah, arena football. Doug Flutie was definitely in the CFL. Yes. Yeah, Doug Flutie's a great story. You got to yeah. admit, Doug. Doug I, I myself personally, I never played in the CFL. Yeah, I I think though you yeah you resisted the draft. I know that uh, I guess you were holding. But people don't know this. I'm the only person in history who attended near Israel on athletic scholarship. Wow, wow, <laughs> yes. And 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 what athletes uh, the, the the athletic workouts we got there were incredible. Do you uh, remember? I, I don't know if you I, remember this, but we used to play football Friday afternoon. Of course, I remember. And you remember, do you remember the Russian guy that came, Vidalia Simonovich? Vidalia Simonovich. Well, first of all, I, I'm telling you what your job was. Your job was, Rabbi Pupko, <laughs> to um, collect the bathrobe ties. That's correct. Right. Your job was, and I the actually... Yard you, the yard markers. And me and you actually, I remember one game, we were the referees. <laughs> um, we went through the dorm and... Um, Got the yard right. I cannot you know, believe you remember this. Yeah, yeah. So, so you, I remember when Gedalia came. He had obviously Russian, never saw football before. We just put him on the line and said, "Just kill the person with the ball." And then what I also remember is there was this Balchuva kid from Pittsburgh, Murray Rappaport, now called Marsha Rappaport, who's now a Mayo. He's actually the middle of my grandson, my old grandson, in, in Baltimore. And I don't know if people realize it's. Pittsburgh is a football town. I mean, yes, yes, it know, is. Dan Real Marino gritty. Famous are all from Pittsburgh. I mean, Pittsburgh is football. Okay, you know, okay. The, let's talk about it. One second. You know, let's be let's be uh, accurate. The Allegheny region, right? right. Uh, Aliquippa, that whole area that's sort of west right. of uh, Pittsburgh, that's west of Pittsburgh, that's sort of like West Virginia. It's really uh, uh, very much a real right. place. Right. Name it. Newburnville, Ohio. Yeah. Namath. Yeah, it's all, it's all in Pittsburgh. It's football. So, so I remember Moisture Rappaport was about two from my neighborhood. It was older than me. Came to Yeshiva. I was in high school. And he, um, and he had, I believe he had played for Alderdice High School in Pittsburgh, which was high school football in Pittsburgh. Huge. And then he came to play with us. And we injured him on the first game. I remember <laughs> coming to show 
into dominating the morning shot this morning, the morning after the game on crutches. We had mangled his ankle. I, I again, you know, the, the details may not be exact, but uh, I remember the great pride you see the guys took in, in injuring a yes, guy we who played real we football in a real high school. Well, I can <laughs> tell you the in, the intensity and love that we had um, in those games. Uh, the way they were sort of indelibly um, and it, it marked in our memories about how important they were and talking about them. Oh, it was the only we, two hours of the week we were off. Yeah. It was I, and, and we would, we would go to, down to the um, <clears throat> to the creek because you know it was still some. You know, if you go there now, uh, it's all been built up with 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 many homes and oh really and uh, and shopping areas. But when we went there, it was still Sylvan. It was still, uh, you know, I'm not going to use the word virgin, but it's sort of it was sort of like virgin territory. I mean, the two I, athletic, I should say, there were three athletic activities in there. So there was football Friday afternoon. There was basketball every night for 20 minutes around dinner time. Yeah. To play basketball. And, and, but the most unique athletic experience was Johnny on the pony. Yeah, it was a buck buck. Yes. Buck buck. Yeah, yes, depending yes. on what city you came from. Yes, yes. I don't know if anyone knows about these things anymore. Well, you know, uh, I, it, they, the, it was something that was, um, uh, I, I guess, brought into the world uh, with great fanfare by the Bill by Bill Cosby. And I was going to, you know, Bill Cosby, of course, who has, you know, we've talked about him last week. I think we talked about him. But right. on one of his uh, uh, Emmy Award, uh, Emmy, Grammy Award records, right. he talks about uh, Fat Albert, I think, uh, being involved in one of the Buck Buck games. Right. So we and, used to play Buck Buck. I don't know if your listeners know what it is even. I don't even know if you can find it in the, the you know, the black hole of the Internet. I don't, I don't know if the game is played anywhere, but basically 10 guys bend over, hold each other around the waist, and the other team's job creating a human bridge, and the other team's job is to run and land on this bridge to, to make it collapse, and how long you can hold out is the competition. I think one of the most unique things of it, other than the sheer physicality and power and energy for us, was the fact that the dormitory was shaped like an H. Right. And <laughs> it was almost built to be the buck-buck court. Right, we because were the was, back part of the age, the bottom right. part of the age. And I and, remember and, one night, one Saturday night. And, and, and first of all, there was also, unlike the Friday afternoon games, like the real players. I mean, me and you were not the real players. Oh. My brother, of course, was a player. Uh, no Sox Burger was a player. Uh, <laughs> our good friend Baruch Shore. These guys were the real jocks. Me and you were sort of like the let's on him who were there, right. you know, making fun of what was going on and enjoying, you know, uh, and uh, enjoying ourselves. But in Buck Buck, there was always a tremendous audience because the the kids from the windows would be watching, and then there were some kids who had um, high intensity lamps right. that, that they would that they would turn on, and then you would it would be like an arena, and uh, you would really get that sense of of involvement. I read somewhere that the Cowboys Stadium in Texas, the Cowboys Stadium, was actually modeled after our Buck Buck Arena, but I may be wrong. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, I, I think, though, I would rather say uh, our Buck Buck was more uh, a throwback or a, a pin to the frozen tundra of yeah. Lambeau Field. <laughs> no, but I remember one Saturday, I don't know why it sticks my memory. 
it was illegal to play this. It was the game was off. Yeah, well, let's talk about why. Because basically, even though you're right, people would break their legs and 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 get injured in the football games. Um, shout out to my good friend David Shaw, who uh, you might remember. Uh, yeah. yeah. So David Shaw was uh, is is the is the yeah. David Shaw very very fast, great running back. Very good, but very tiny. He was sort of like the Ed Podolak or the Mike Garrett. He was the um, O.J. Simpson of, of, of the original. Yeah, right. and I remember him breaking his leg. That was quite a thing. Yeah, but, yeah, in, but, but in, in, in Buck Buck, you know, you know, obviously when you have hundreds and hundreds of pounds, uh, especially... No, it's the, not a safe game. It's not a game reasonable people would play. I mean, honestly, football is like it, 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 it's like tennis compared to, to Buck Buck. I mean, it's, it's and the Buckwick was just killing people. That's all it was. There was no about... other goal. Like in football, there's a goal. You know, points, uh, you know, catch a ball. Buckwick was simply, def- it was just violence. Well, I think it was also about, um, the term I think I'm looking for is the ability to hold on, the ability to be strong, to to maintain. Because as you remember, part of the the way you win Buck Buck is if you can hold the accumulated weight of all those 10 guys, right? And the last guy was the incredible jumper, right? The last guy (laughs) somehow was someone who could, was like a, was a Mexican jumping bean, who could get on the top. And then they would, they would, you know, Bear down, and if I don't remember what it was, but I think the the I, I I think it was till ten or fifteen. I don't know what it was, but if you could if you could muster the 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 energy and 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 this and the might in your sinews to be able to withstand that weight, then I think you won. And then if you were able to collapse, if the the people were able to win, um, so I remember I remember the game being busted one time. I don't know why this memory of Rabbi Tendler of blessed memory. Driving up in his car in the headlights. I, I just remember, yes, yeah. that is true. He would come. Yeah. Right. Well, first of all, there was so much noise, and you know, this was the type of thing where you could see, uh, uh, you know, responsibility to parents. Uh, you know, how could you allow <laughs> such a thing? But I, I think it's part of it, more people didn't end up, end up in wheelchairs. I mean, it really is. Right. Which I guess brings us to you know, from our experiences, you know, as as uh, sportsmen, I, I have to say parenthetically though, my my greatest sports moment in Nair Yisrael uh, came. You mentioned the, the basketball, uh, our basketball playing. Right. The basketball playing that we had there, there was no gym. Maybe, you know, today it's considered significant that a yeshiva build a gym. Even uh, very Haredi yeshivas uh, say that they have a gym for their students. It's understood that you need that outlet. In Nair Yisrael, the, the basketball court was asphalt um, and you know, as you know, when my brother was able to destroy one of the rims there, that they weren't necessarily, uh, uh, you know, soldered in in the most uh, in the strongest way. It was really very much like uh, like you would say, almost like a ghetto backyard. Yeah. There was you could play three games. Anyway, the other uh, school in Baltimore at that time. Now there's a plethora of schools, but the other high school, which we had almost no contact with. Was TA right today? You know, it's called it's called Kofetz Chaim Talmudic Academy, uh, but we considered them like not even Jewish at, at the time. Um, right. And the truth was, is when they when they when we played them, uh, they 
appeared non-Jewish. They they practiced. Uh, they had uniforms, <laughs> um, and 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 they were big and and bulky, and they looked like sports figures. So normally, uh, when Nair Israel would send a ragtag group of kids to play an organized uh, game, we were blown out of the water completely. So yeah. one year, I, I, I think it was due to the efforts of uh, the great Moshe Greenwald, who you might remember was, uh, was, was, was everybody loved Moshe. So we, the ninth grade, and that was my ninth grade year, we had PA come to us. And even though we were the youngest in the school, that Friday afternoon, the oldest Space Matters guys came to watch TA come to near Israel. And um, it was an incredible game. Um, there was a one, uh, the, our greatest cheerleader um, is a Dayan in Eretz Israel now, one of the greatest uh, uh, judicial minds. Uh, and he was. Uh, Reb Nochem, Reb Nochem Greenhut, Norman. Norman is in Israel now. No, Norman is, is, is a Dayan Muvak in Eretz Yisrael, an Eloi and a Dayan. Um, and Norman was he a rabbi in Vancouver for a while. Norman married the daughter of the rabbi in Vancouver. Who's Zaychik? Norman married Zaychik's daughter. Yes. Zaychik was from South Africa. Originally. That's right. Norman's like uh, Jewish geography. And then he, when did he go to Israel? You've got to catch up with him, but I do remember Norman, who is a uh, Rav Nochem, is is was always uh, an Eli and 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 always uh, a step ahead. But he was our great cheerleader, and I I remember especially the way you know the, the forward for the uh, TA team was incredibly named Abdul, <laughs> <laughs> and Norman had so much fun with Abdul's name. And I don't have to explain to you why, but he had incredible fun with 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 ranking Abdul and and really getting on their nerve. So with Norman and others leading the the charge, T.A. with all their professionalism was cracking and and it was a really competitive game. Now, I was the seventh man or the sixth or seventh man on that team. Um and we had five really good players, and I was sort of like a hustler. My, my game was, you think that I'm a complete spaz and can't do anything. Put the fat guy on me. You'll see that I'm going to be able to make a whole bunch of layups and do stuff. That was my game. My game was like the con man. Oh, this kid, he can't do anything. This little redheaded skinny nobody, he can't do anything. Oh, yeah? <laughs> You'll see. So that, that was – I was the trick player. But anyway, there was um, – we were up – uh, incredibly, by one point, there was like four seconds left in the game. T.A. calls timeout. I look up at Greenwald's, and I can imagine I had my puppy dog eyes looking up at him because I hadn't gotten to the game. And he said, you're in. And um, and here I was, you know, to play whatever small four, whatever the position was. And I remember the, uh, the T.A. was going to go in for the winning shot. And I positioned myself under the basket, under this, uh, on this asphalt. I can still remember, you can see, I remember every moment of it. The ball went up and I elbowed, pushed my way. I got the rebound. And of course that secured our win that I was able to get this rebound that they were all running all over me. And I, you know, and, and we won the game. You're you're in the near Israel Sports Hall of Fame, if I recall correctly. Well, that was the incredible victory. Look, 
we were able to beat this team for the first time ever. Um, and it was it was incredible. It was it was like I've never gone into Shabbos with such a sense of simcha before. It's like we were all. <laughs> it was it was. That's what sports does. That's what it right. is. So really, you know, when we talk about ourselves playing, you know, I, I'm reminded of the Rambam Lernavuchim, who who, you know, talks about sports activities, and he, he talks about the difference between being involved in sports in a way to physically enhance yourself and to be healthy and to get your body moving. And to actually be a, um, like... I mean, I remember also sneaking out of Yeshiva to somebody's apartment, I can't remember who, to watch the Steelers play in their first Super Bowl against Minnesota. Fran Tarkenton was the uh, quarterback for the Vikings. That was the Steelers. The Steelers defense, you know, the uh, the, the Steel Curtain held the Vikings to about, I don't remember, 43 yards rushing the whole game, and they won that game with Terry Bradshaw. But that was while we were in Yeshiva, and I remember sneaking out to watch that game. So, so I guess that's really the point. When we talk about the difference between playing and being a spectator, about being involved. And when you become a spectator, it's about almost a, um, a, 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 I guess the word I'm ta- looking for, you become uh, you can become a rabid fan. You, you get into the statistics. You get into who the personalities are. Um, you, you, you live and die. You scream at the television. Listen, um, you remember that at, at breakfast table after davening, at breakfast in Arizona, we were still allowed to have newspapers in those days. So the Baltimore Sun would come, and some guys got the newspaper in the morning. And we would all be pouring over the you know the baseball results or the football, whatever. We were all, it was all about sports. That's the only section that was really devoured. Right in in Yeshiva was in the only magazine in those days that was allowed to come to the Yeshiva. Right, all the magazines. No, no, there were two that were allowed. Right, U.S. News and World Report and Sports Illustrated. Right, and of course Joe Tendler uh, gave his direct commands about the swimsuit issue. That the swims the swimsuit issue was the only one that was. I remember one year they forgot to keep it out of our hands, and it was in the mailboxes, and it was and kids got them. I never subscribed. Uh, I don't think it was more illustrated, but they had gotten around the dorm, the, the, the swimsuit issue, which, of course, is terribly wrong. And they, and they went around confiscating them or, or, or whatever because yes, they had, I, they, they, the filter failed. I, I can tell you, I don't know if it was that year, but the uh, this was a grandson of one of the uh, Rosh Hashivas who was, uh, had a, a very um, immense pile of Sports Illustrated's. Right. Like you go into the room, and he had a pile almost as tall as him. In the middle of that pile, he had put the swimsuit issue. <laughs> Tendler, <laughs> he when when he made a raid in the dorm, he found that one in the middle. He he, Rabbi Yosef went down on his knees and went through it and found. The swimsuit issue in the middle there. I think I might have seen it in his um, in his office months later. I don't know in the confiscated area when I was called in for some reason or other. But that was the the heroes that the people went into. But I think you know when we talk about watching sports and being involved in sports, and I, I think this is really from our own uh, youth, we realize this is something you know kids don't give up on. Yeshiva boys and girls, I guess, all over the, the North America. Um, for better or for worse, are into sports and, and, and love 
uh, watching competition. Again, baseball has been sort of pushed to the side. There are cities like Chicago and others where baseball is still considered, you know, Kodesh. Uh, they, the, uh, even when I was in Chicago a number of years ago, it was consi- this is the way they would reward the students with, with a uh, take them to the game. Um, they would ever go to see even the most um, benign Walt Disney film, but to take the kids into the uh, baseball stadium, uh, even in the summer, you know, okay, baseball, that's different. So th- there has been, I think, especially among North American uh, uh, kids, Rav Scheinberg, Zechot uh, Tzadik Lavrocha, talked about his fan fascination, even, you know, with the Yanks. Rakefet, uh, Rabbi Rakefet has, has, has written and published all about the the involvement in sports and, and how it somehow has some positivity. You stopped me before with the Marinavuchim. The Marinavuchim, of course, makes this chiluk between involvement and watching and, and, and being connected to. So I guess this is really where I wanted to, to get our conversation to uh, from listen, your perspective. It's easy. Listen, the reality is you can wax <clears throat> philosophical about why anybody would want to be a spectator at a sports game, what the thrill is, what the interest is. But this is deeply embedded in, in our culture. It, it's not a new thing. It's, it, it goes back, you know, the Roman Coliseum. You know, and, and we, we, love, we love it. I remember a few months ago when uh, it's still in the midst of COVID, obviously, and, uh, and the football season started. And I remember sitting down to watch the first Sunday afternoon. And I go, wow, what a relief. I finally feel normal again. Like it was the one, it was, it was a normal thing to do to watch football. But then you see the empty seat for the stadium, and it's weird. But at least there was some semblance of normalcy. I, I found it, uh, I found it, uh, you know, reassuring that normal life could go on to see the football. But obviously, in other words, there, you know, a lot of teams lost players and canceled and delayed. Yeah, I, I think you have to put a, an asterisk on this whole season. I mean, the the team. Let's let's put it out there out front. You know, we we, we talk about ourselves. Uh, I think perhaps uh, perhaps too much, but you know both my team and your team are doing well this year, right? Uh, the Steelers, I think, uh, they're not again. They are close. They the AFC North, yes. They quick the AFC North and the NFC North, of course. My team, the Packers, um, and but it's hard for me to feel a sense of any sort of fandom or simcha. Um, you know, the empty seats are a reminder of. You know the the nursing homes and the other places and the hospitals that are full of people, right? And and and, and the morgues of, of of the summer and 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 even today, mm-hmm. and 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 I think that really brings um, a reality to me when I think about you know these they've gone through their COVID protocol and now they're going to basically bang their brains together and give themselves um, you know brain <laughs> whatever that uh, you know that 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 brain damage syndrome is so here they were okay you're clear you don't have covid okay go out there and and die. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and die bang your brain and head and and injure yourself to a way that you probably in 10 years won't even remember this game so it, somehow so, so, somehow up until now I could take it. Yeah. I want to see Mean Joe Green. I want to see Bob Lilly. I want to see the, the guard who's able to, uh, you know, or TJ Watt, whatever, JJ Watt. I, now it seems empty. Now, the, uh, uh, you know, a, a Ronnie Lott vicious hit on a, on a wide receiver going across the middle. Everything seems like Daryl Stingley to me now. 
everything seems to me like, you know, a Jack Tatum uh, paralyzing Stingley because there's death everywhere. There's death, there's hurt, there's, right? So we're watching this, but it it seems artificial and empty. I mean, I'll be, even if the Packers win the Super Bowl, it's not going to mean much to me this year. Um, Can we go back in the past just for a minute uh, when, when it wasn't COVID? I, I found, uh, and, and you know, we both are, we were in Ari Stroll together. We're both Basie uh, Osef, uh, yeah. uh, Navardic, right? And, 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 and we have many points of connection. And I think I was, I was mentioning before we started recording that um, in, in Basie Osef, which was a kolel of some of the most serious, brilliant uh, fellows, um, the uh, the Mashkiach, Zohar uh, Rocha, was not there uh, on Sunday afternoons. He had to be with his family, whatever was going on. One Sunday afternoon, he was always there. And that was on was Super Sunday, Sunday this, which has become now the secular holiday for the United States, maybe all over the world. He wanted to make sure that the young light, who didn't have necessarily televisions in their house, but had brothers and sisters and uncles who had, and he wanted to make sure nobody was going to leave for any sort of Super Bowl event. He had to stay. Right. Um, and uh, you know, and yet you have to be very mock, but and and I think that there's a line of demarcation here between. Uh, you talked about escaping. I remember in the mirror, there's a Rishkoyu, a good friend of mine, who also would stay up on Super Bowl Sunday till about two in the morning, whatever it was, and go to a hotel someplace to watch. But there, I think this difference is is a, was always a line of demarcation between the the yeshiva shavelt that we've talked about a lot. And and the, and the modern Orthodox world that sort of, you know, threw their hands up and said, "Yeah, let's let's make." We know everybody's involved. They might not really care so much about the playoffs who wins, but in the two week build up for the Super Bowl, this is a time to turn this into something. So, why don't you talk a little bit about uh, about that phenomena? Where you listen, know, I mean, it's not uncommon. It's not uncommon at all. It's pretty pervasive. Where Orthodox souls across North America do Super Bowl Sunday parties. It's not under, it's, it's, it's pervasive. It's not just, you know, it's what happens. You see it all the time for everybody from the, the non-Orthodox, uh, uh, the, the, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of this group, uh, Chabad, Chabad does it, I think. Uh, they have, they do the Super Bowl stuff. Everyone does it now. And, uh, you know, it's a way of bringing people together. It's a way, you know, you have a party and show and, uh, you know, you have a lot of food out there and, uh, Everybody seems to be happy, and you're doing it, uh, you know. So it's sort of how would you explain it? It's sort of like and they have a mincha at halftime or Meyer at halftime, and uh, they turn off if it's a risque uh, halftime show, and uh, they have a good night. And 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 basically, even the commercials and all the other sorts of things, they they sort of let go because they realize there's no stopping it, there's no fighting. The... No, the people are going to watch anyway, so you might as well watch it together. It's an opportunity for everyone to get together. Okay, and, the so guys like to, and you know, it's a way for guys not to be bothered by the women in their lives while they watch. <laughs> so you would say that even though on an objective level as a rabbi, that it it's bitl tire, it's bitlesman, it's narish, but it's it's entrenched itself so solidly. Yeah, I mean everyone knows that, everyone's gonna do it anyway, so why not do it in the under a show? I've never done one in my show. Maybe so I don't and I don't do it. Let me explain why I don't do it. It's not because I think it's wrong. 
I mean, I, I, I think it's a, it's a fine thing to do. You know, they're going to watch anyway. So what's the difference? Uh, I don't do it because I don't want to watch the game with people I don't like. And if I open it up in the store, I'm going to have some people I don't like. <laughs> so I've done super parties in my house, but I, 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 but it's by invitation only. You know, I, I, you know, I mean, there's certain things that are too sacred that you don't want, you know, people, strangers encroaching. So I want to, you know, I want to watch it who I want to watch. But, um, I guess if you have a, I guess if you have a horse in the in in, in the running, as if it's one of your teams, I know that I would, you know, people have seen me, uh, like, in you know, in the beginning of the Brett Favre era and other eras when the Packers were were making a comeback, and I remember I used to, um, I was learning in in in, uh, in the Colo in Chicago and giving shiurim, so before I would go home. I would go to the dorm and they set up in the dormitory the uh, television only for Sundays. And I remember students telling me later, Rebbe, I remember the way you were standing there watching the game and screaming at the <laughs> screaming at the screaming at the at the screen about that about that pass. And of course, if that is that's not a beautiful thing for for uh, for, well, listen, for, I, for people I, to see the rabbi screaming at, at the at, at the listen. Oh my god! Oh my, uh, my my whole soul knows. You know, we're we you know that I'm a Steeler fan. It's it's not a secret. My kids are equally passionate. Uh, you know, my kids who are who lead wonderful lives, and we're all in this WhatsApp group with Steeler football every during every game. Commenting, yelling, or bemoaning. You, you know what? Let, let, let's do a shout out to them. I know people forget about um, about Tree of Life. What a great thing the Steelers did that week right afterwards, uh, putting the putting I the. I gotta uh, say, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is a very special place, and uh, and what the. Why, uh, well, let's just tell everybody if they forgot. They put, I think, a, a, what would they put a mug and David onto the um, for that mm-hmm. week. Right, they put it like the, the week after the massacre in, in the Tree of Life show. It was like superimposed on the Steeler logo. The, uh, what a what a great thing that was tremendous. And there's a player there, um, uh, Zach Banner, who uh, really took a very public role in talking about anti-Semitism. And this year on the anniversary, he donated his his salary from that week to Tree of Life. No, it. Um, Pittsburgh's good. Uh, Pittsburgh players, the team, the Rudy family, the wonderful family, they stood up. They really did. And and you, and you have to say, I, I think uh, once you're men- once you're mentioning them, I think you also have to mention Bob, you know, Robert Kraft. Look, he's got his picadillos, and uh, I'm not going to. Robert gonna... Kraft is, is the owner of an evil team. Robert <laughs> Kraft is the owner of an evil team. The Sitrach. It's Belichick is Zichros is, is a satanic word. And I, I can't speak a nice word about it. Yes, Kraft has accidentally done some nice things in his life. I, I don't doubt it. But basically, anybody who talks about them is, is understands. A moment of silence. They did a moment of silence for Ezra Schwartz. Who? Yeah, that was, was a, nice. That was nice. That poor kid. Yeah. Uh, he was killed by terrorism, and they 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 uh, they memorialized him. So the, the power of sports, the power of of of, of that imagery of uh, of those people is incredible. Um, and I guess that it's interesting, like you're saying. It's a harmless that, diversion from life. I think people sometimes overthink it. It's uh, these are people who are extraordinary athletes who uh, are compensated uh, for their skills and their uh, and their training and their uh, and everything else they do. And it's a wonderful diversion from life. You know, I know one of the reasons the ratings are down this year 
they say, I don't know, you know, I haven't, you know, I haven't talked to anybody, but uh, the ratings are down this year, probably for some of the reasons you mentioned because of COVID, but also because the real world has encroached a little too much into football, whether it's COVID or the Black Lives Matter. And, uh, and people don't watch football to be reminded of their troubles or of the troubles in society. People watch football for those three, three and a half hours to escape the troubles of the world. And that's what you know. some people just don't get. And um, you're, you're referring to even before COVID began with Colin right, Kaepernick, the, yeah, Colin Kaepernick and others who who used the the, the stage of, 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 a, of a nationally televised game to make a point about uh, police brutality and other things they right. felt were unfair. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess, you know, uh, it, it bothered me as well in, in the sense that it took away from the simcha of the game. Um, and, uh, and you're right. It, it, the whole thing is meant to be a diversion. I think one of the things just, uh, you know, one of the, the NFL, uh, has lived with a certain pain, uh, a stain that the uh, Kennedy of course was killed November 22nd, 1963. They played football on Sunday. I think it was famously that the NFL went on. The president's dead, but the but 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 football continues. I mean, in our lifetimes, when were games ever canceled? Nine eleven. Games were canceled, if I remember correctly, the week after. No, because they were worried about terror, right? They were right. worried about right. Right. security. Right. Right. Well, it wasn't because they were mourning their deaths; they were no. afraid. Oh that... no. <laughs> right. It wasn't because that they were mourning the thousands of people who died in the World Trade Center. Um, I, don't t- I mean, maybe there was a maybe New Orleans during uh, Katrina. There Katrina. I don't, know, I don't know if it was football season, but I'm sure there were times when football games were delayed for natural disasters. But uh, football goes on. Football doesn't stop. No. And uh, but I, I, I'm wondering, though, you know, can we ever go back to that? I mean, I, I appreciate what you're saying. And I think the idea of. Of, of it, it, it's not harmless, but it's here. Let's let's just review. It's not harmless, but it's a reality, especially in the past. It was that couldn't be denied. If the Torah world, the Rabbi world, the whatever world you want to call that, our world ignores it completely, then they're right. going to lose people. So listen, if you're talking about guys who are sitting and learning, you know, and uh, and, and and for them, it's mean it's the base medrash versus the football. You're saying base medrash. But for most people, it's it's not the base measures versus football; it's some other stupidity. So yeah. I, I'm going to add one thing in terms of the general populace, and that is, I think the statistics back me up. The amount of of although in bars you might have people drinking and getting rowdy, but the amount of a crime that is uh, reported during down, yeah. football games is down. So in a way, you know, we could even say from a very prejudicial standard, oh, it's good the Goyim are watching the games. They're not out there making trouble in the street. At least they're all sitting there watching the games. Right? We could, and I do think that's a positive. Let me say a third thing, and I'm going to sound you know, quite like a liberal. I, again, I, everything I'm saying now, I don't know if it's going to be true post-COVID. But I think beforehand, there was a way – that you could bond over a game that you couldn't bond over something else. The next morning you would meet somebody in the office and say, what'd you think of that pass? Wasn't that great? The way, you know, you know, name it Maynard. Oh yeah, whatever. And, and, and that breaks the ice that allows strangers. I want to tell you something. I've been in situations. I'll tell you a situation. You're not going to believe the story. 
this goes back 30 years. I was visiting Jonathan Pollard in prison. I don't know if I ever mentioned this before. Again. In Marion, Illinois. And uh, didn't re- I didn't really, I mean, I guess I was naive. And, and uh, I walked into the prison with a friend of mine to go see him. And, uh, and the warden, the superintendent of the prison, looked at us as if we were criminals. I mean, who would visit a traitor? You know, he looked at us with great disdain. So we're walking down these huge hallways with, you know, with the bars clanging behind us every hundred feet or so. And, and then I, I turned to him and I say, where are you from? And he said, he's from Pittsburgh. As soon as I said, I'm a Steeler fan, this and that, the ice completely broke. In other words, yeah, you're visiting a traitor to the United States, but you're a Steeler fan. <laughs> you know, it was, it's, there's a, and it's a wonderful thing. I mean, I see, you know, and, uh, uh, it, it is society that has given up so many of the things that used to bind us, like faith and family, right? They're desperate for things that do continue to bind them. Yes. And for some people, it's politics, which has replaced religion. And in many places in America, football has replaced religion. But I, I would add there, and I think your, your story is poignant and real, but it really underscores the fact that today, especially, you you have to be so scared to speak something politically wherever you are right oh, yeah. and and but even if let's say for example i'm a patriot fan and i'm meeting no, I, can't. I wouldn't even I can't. but you would still be able to have a communication because ultimately as i said earlier the 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 anger the emotion the feeling it's all it's it, it's powerful but it's artificial to a point that we can move on, right? In other words, you're not really, you don't really hate the guy. You don't really hate that person in front of you. So even speaking about a, a Red Sox fan speaking to a Yankee fan, a Bear fan speaking to a Packer fan, whoever it is, you can talk. You can schmooze. Right, there's and, a common conversation. Right. And, no, I think, and also, as you say, it's the Switzerland of topics. It's neutral, right? You don't, you care, but we all know it's not life and death. But it's it, but there's a common body of knowledge. I tell you something talk about hating other teams, Frank. But I remember when the Patriots won their first Super Bowl. Sure. And uh, you talk about Red Sox fans. So they had a big uh, celebration downtown uh, Boston. Uh, Brady's on the stage. Belichick, right? Everyone that won the first Super Bowl. Everyone's screaming. And all of a sudden, for reasons to this day that nobody can fully explain, the crowd began chanting in obscenity, "Fu Yankee." <laughs> right so like like because the animating enthusiasm of sports is not just who you are but who you aren't <laughs> and uh right. but again as it, as passionate as we are there's still limits to that yes and it really shows how the whole city again could sort of feel itself vindicated now boston you know you think about it Boston is a city of ultra intellectualism. It has universities and hospitals. It has it has a beauty to it that that Manhattan will never have, and yet because of the Yanks, uh, uh, you know, pushing the Red Sox down every year, there were so many of them who felt unrequited until right. oh, now we finally won. Right. This actually has rescued all the demons of right. Boston's because superiority. Because of Epstein, we all know it's a joke. But anyway, I, I think what we could probably sum up and say, look, let's take it. Uh, let's not be let's be amused. 
But let's not get over serious about. You know, I remember. I'll tell you. I'll end on one funny note. I was explaining to somebody once why baseball is the is the quintessential Jewish sport. I said, you know, it's very simple. What's the minimum number of people on a field? Is a is a minion. You need nine players plus a you know plus a batter, right? You need a minion. Number two. Just like in Judaism, there's halacha, there's minhag. In baseball, you have halacha and minhag, right? There are rules, the rule book. But every stadium can have a home run fence. You know, there's a variety of, of minhagim on the home run fence. There's minhagim about not showing off after you've hit a home run and watching the ball go over the fence. There's halacha and minhag. And most importantly, what is the whole goal of Judaism? Going it's home. The same goal of baseball is going home. Right. That's it. So baseball is a quintessential Jewish sport, I would yes. say. Yes. As, as even, and, and let me just add to that. Although I, you're not supposed to do an anticlimax, I, I would, <laughs> I would, I would add to that the the great, great riff by we talked about comedians a couple of weeks ago. He's the one comedian. We talked about Robin Williams, who I said was a was a, right. a, a was a honorary Jew. He is the Goyish comedian, not prior, not who I. I sort of say, I wish he was Jewish. Uh, George Carlin. Oh, yeah, yeah. So George... He had a great style. Oh, so he has one of the greatest pieces about the difference between baseball and football. Right. When he talks about the fact that, you know, in baseball it's so... He's going home, right? He's taking... He took a walk. In football, you are the commander. You are blitzing. There's the bomb, right? The general leads the team down. So there is that sort of like uh, uh, there is that sort of fantasy of power that yeah, football yeah. gives us that we can live there. But also baseball players, at least when I was a kid, baseball players looked like us. They were fat, they were lazy, they hung out in the outfield. Fernando Fernando Valenzuela, right? Denny McLean. I mean, you know, <laughs> these guys, you know, they look like normal people. You watch basketball or football. It's like we're different, you know, it's, it was like a, a whole different DNA going on there. I mean, whoever imagined 380-pound 380 people running quickly? I mean, it's an amazing phenomenon. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we could also tie this into the incredible pharmacological uh, <laughs> advancements that you extolled a couple weeks ago. Well, that's about it, my friends. All we right. hope that you enjoy uh, the end of the NFL season and the playoffs and the Super Bowl to come. We'll be back here again with another episode of Emeritus Rex. Take care, everybody. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 